Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Earning Their Stripes. My name is Danny Martinez, alongside Ian Smith and the amazing Ethan Badowski. But fellas, we're not alone today. Also joining us is a man that undoubtedly has more style and swagger than all three of us combined. He also happens to be a top prospect in the Marlins farm system and really in all of baseball and is currently lighting the world on absolute fire with his bat. Monte Harrison. Monte, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. It's an honor. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Really, we're we're excited about this. I'll tell you what. I know Ethan for certain is excited about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, definitely uh, excited to be on. Just to know um, you guys were uh, highly referred. So, um, I mean, during the <laughs> season, not no offense against guys. But, you know, I mean, you guys got jobs to do and stuff like that. But um, uh, I try not to do too many interviews. But uh, I was definitely excited about this one. Appreciate that, awesome man. To hear that, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So we won't waste any time. All right, we have a, a serious, hard-hitting question. All right, leading off. Yeah. Who has the better hops, you or your brother Shaquille? Sorry, my brother's not even close. He knows that. <laughs> exactly what I'd like to hear. Um, I swear he'll tell you too. Actually, he might. He might. He might be like, "Yeah, you too deep into baseball, so you can't jump now." But I. <laughs> What's Ooh, that vertical look? That battle. What's that vertical look like at its peak, Monte? Uh, and I, oh man, I don't know. It was probably like last time I re- it was recorded it was a forty-two. I, but after after I got done, uh, like basketball or whatever, I mean, it kind of it kind of went down a little bit. So I, I don't nearly jump. I wouldn't say nearly jump as high, but not a forty-two. Well, yeah. I mean, well, some may know you were a multi-sport athlete in high school, playing football, basketball, and baseball. How mm-hmm. close were you to pursuing something something outside of baseball? Uh, I, honestly, the the funny thing about it, I mean, uh, growing up all my life, all we really played was, uh, I mean, we played all the sports, but mainly it's so easy for like inner city kids to to, to really play football and, and basketball. So, mm. um, I mean. It, Everywhere you go, you see a basketball or football in the middle of the street or in the yard, so it was very easy to get to. So growing up, I thought I would be the basketball player, and actually everyone thought that my brother was going to be the baseball player. And um, the the roles kind of reversed as we got older and started playing a little bit more and kind of finding ourselves. But, uh, yeah, I I mean, I had aspirations of playing sports. I mean, any sport, honestly, uh, until I got to, like – I would say my junior year of high school, and I, that's when I really decided to play uh, football and baseball. What do you think was a better moment for you in high school, being a perfect game All-American or winning the state title in football? Uh, winning the state title. I mean, honestly, I mean, the group of guys yeah. um, that that we had was was amazing, man, just to know that we had that bond throughout all of high school. So we got to experience a lot. We weren't, we weren't used to losing. Um, it's actually really sad because the kid that I played with and actually I hung out with all the time recently just died. RP to him, to Dewan Simmons, man, and um, it's, it's just a, a crazy man. I mean, it's it's okay, man. It's a, you know it's a part of life. I mean, the way it happened, it, it, I thought it was stupid and pointless, but uh, God's timing is is uh, is undefeated. You know, once He makes that call, and it's time for you to go home. It's time for you to go home. But uh, I just want to give my condolences to his family and. Missing all those guys back home, man, for sure. Yeah, we send our best out to you, Monte. I'm really, we're really sorry to hear about that, man. Oh, good, man. Anyway, Monte, you you come over in this trade, this Yelich trade. It was the big headline trade last off season, and uh, 
you instantly become a fan favorite. And I think that has a lot to do with the way you play the game and the swag that you play the game with. Uh, where does that energy, where does that passion, where does that swagger that you bring to the field every day, where does that come from? And how do you channel that out on the baseball field, man? <laughs> um, honestly, man, I think ever since I was young, um, mm-hmm. no matter what sport I played, I wanted to look the flyest. I wanted <laughs> to be the best on the field. And I wanted, I don't know, because in, in every aspect, I was – when I was young, you guys might, might actually might not believe this. I was actually the smallest kid out of everybody, period, until I got to like a sophomore in high school or something like that. The smallest out of everybody. And so people would very like make fun of me or like you notice and say like the short jokes or like uh-huh. uh, little, little Monte or they would call me Little Shaq just because of my, I was uh, the little brother of my, of my brother. And um, I think once it got to the point where um, I was kind of, I, I hit a point and my coach, my coach told me, Danny Hughes told me, he said, yo, you're, you're not, you're not a guy that's going to stand out. You're not going to pop eyes just from mm-hmm. stepping on the field. You know what I mean? You know, that, that eye test. And so you got to make yourself well known somehow, some way. So he so he told me to start wearing like stuff that, that would make <laughs> me stand out. So I would wear like pink socks, pink arm sleeves, like, this stuff to be like, what? What is this little kid doing? Like, he think like he looks stupid. Until I got on the field and I start playing, I'm like, wow, They're like this is a, this is something special. He's little, but he's got heart. And ever since then, I mean, it's always been something I've always done. So, um, I just stuck with it, and honestly, it's just part of my DNA. So you said you were the little guy, man. Did that? When did you like shoot up? You know, when did you start getting bigger? Because I mean, now you're one of the biggest guys on the field, and you know, you yeah. just have that imposing. For so is that just hard work or did you just like spring up one summer, man? Honestly, uh, both. Um, mm-hmm. My freshman year, I, I went into my freshman year at, at I think it was five seven, mm-hmm. and over the course of the year, and I came back at the sophomore beginning of my year, and I was six two. That's that's just I, I always would hang out with my older brother, and um, uh-huh. you know those dudes are all taller than me, so like. I mean, they're seniors, I mean, juniors and seniors in, in high school. So, you know, they're they're starting to hit that, that prime time uh, puberty. Mm-hmm. And uh, those dudes are like six foot. So I was just, I just got really tired of hearing the little, little this, <laughs> little that. Like, oh, he's so little, you can't, you can't hang with us. Huh? So I would literally go to my coach and be like, man, like, how do I, <laughs> how do I get taller? How do I get stronger? He was like, you got to lift weights. Like, yeah. if you want to get bigger, faster, stronger, you got to lift weights. So I was really dedicated to – I was in the weight room literally two or three times a day, every mm-hmm. single day, thinking about that. And it wasn't just me. I had a couple other boys. My brother wouldn't do it. That's why he's so skinny. Um, <laughs> um, but but other than that, I mean, it's literally just – I just stayed in the weight room and just yeah. ran, worked out. Like, I would literally work out for like an hour and a half, two hours per session, and then – that 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 that's after freshman year summer just the height hit me out of nowhere man i mean that's crazy yeah man i mean i had growing pains like it was no other i mean like sometimes i couldn't even walk it was it was hard to deal with sometimes speaking of hard work man you had a really interesting all season where you kind of went through the process of work reworking your swing uh, yeah. And and during the fall, you know, you got, you got those strikeouts down, uh, but the power kind of wasn't showing, and then that kind of continued in the spring. 
But now mm-hmm. all of a sudden in New Orleans this year, man, I mean, you're slugging 581. So, you mm-hmm. know, wh- what was that process like over this, you know, over this all season? And then were you ever worried about that power coming back? And when did it kind of click back? And, you know, I mean, the results are jumping off the page right now, brother. Um, honestly, I mean, when we talked in the, before the fall league, all they talked about was just they didn't necessarily say um, you need to cut down on strikeouts. You need, you know, repeating that over and over. And that that wasn't an emphasis because I I don't feel like personally that that's the that's the goal. You know what I mean? I mean it is the goal, but that's not the way you approach it. Um, but they did a very good job of explaining. It was like, well, we feel like these numbers, your numbers are are, are crazy when your ball's put into play. Um, you know the BABIP or whatever, and um, the the way they explained that, and it was just my hard hit contact, and they did more of talking about the good instead of like, oh, like we got all this bad because I mean, honestly, let's be honest, we only had just the strikeouts. Everything else, I mean, it, it plays, but just talking the swing and, and and being on playing, that's the thing I really realized about myself. I'm not a I'm not a launch angle guy. You know, they talk about that mm-hmm. whole type of swing and, and swinging up on the ball. For me, personally, I have to swing down on the ball. Um, mm-hmm. I literally think to hit the top of the ball and then staying through it, my, my approach to right center field or, or take care of the rest. I mean, the where you contact the ball, is that's, that's where your launch angle is made. There was this really interesting stat that came out last week, I believe, which blew yeah. my mind. Okay, and I'm not sure if you've seen this yet, all right? Yeah. You're, I mean, we all know how hard you're hitting the ball, but this will put it really into perspective for you. So you have hit 44% of your, of the balls that you've barreled up have left with an exit velocity of over 105. Okay. The MLB average is 8%. 8% of balls hit out over 105. You're hitting 44% of your hits coming out like that. So that has to be a testament to the changes that you made and just that strength. I think during... They 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 kind of brought that stat out last year, and um, I can't remember what the stat was. It was like twenty five percent or something, and the MLB was average was like seven. And um, I think for me personally, that's 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 the main goal. I mean, trying to square up the balls as much as possible. That's that's the really been the goal this year. And the more times I do that, I think the more times it'll be in my favor because I don't think very many people want to be in front of a ball that's one hundred five uh, and higher. You know what I mean? I know I wouldn't want to be. Hit. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So um, if you hit it the right way, good things are going to happen. And I think this year I, I talked to Duncan, you know, Gary, all those guys that are that uh, helped me in hitting uh, over this offseason and stuff like that and just talked to them about it doesn't matter where the balls hit on the ground or in the air. I mean, I just want to be hit as hard as possible because over time that's going to play. And, um, I mean, this year it's, it's been kind of wild. I mean, Every single ball that most of the balls I put into play have been hit really hard. I mean, I don't think about the hits or anything like that. I just think about trying to catch four or five barrels every single day. Whether I do that or not, I mean, you know, that that comes and goes. But if I can catch those and have a consistent, good quality AB, I mean, it's going to play in my favor over time, over the course of the season. No doubt about that, man, at all. Well, a big thing in the game right now is the unwritten rules, or so to speak. Tim Anderson had his epic bat flip last week and into yeah. benches clearing and all that. And he's decided to come out this week and just start a debate saying today's players should start setting their own unwritten rules. Where mm-hmm. do you stand on that subject, on the bat flips and and so forth? Uh, Yeah, man. I mean, you know, that's, that's definitely uh, – 
a part of the game. I feel like now, I mean, celebrations are more part of the game. I think people like that type of excitement. I mean, um, that's it. we're entertainers at the end of the day, so we have to entertain, but we have to also have to do it in a in a respectful way. I feel if a guy strikes a guy out, he can he can celebrate. Now there's a fine line of celebrating or going too far, and that's the same way with basketball thing and and doing all that stuff too. But I mean, there there should be a fine line. You should be able to do it, and and nobody really gets hurt by it. I mean, it is what it is at the end of the day. But as a power guy, Monte, I mean, there's got to be some times where you hit one that just feels so good that you just have to get rid of that thing, right? I mean, like there are just those moments where just it just happens naturally, or is it is it always something that you think about as it's happening? Um, no, no, no. I think one of those things is where, I mean, guys just talk about it all the time, and, and you know, they they want they want that moment. But me personally, I'm I'm not into the whole necessary bat flipping, you know, throwing the bat mm-hmm. part. I mean, I, I'll, I'll watch it for a little bit, but me personally, I'll just honestly, I'll just set the bat down more of a kind of more respectful, like, oh yeah, I know I got it, but um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna throw the bat or anything like that. That's not. That's not me personally. Unless it's actually, I, I'll take that. I had one last year. I kind of did a little bit, but it was just my formal team, the Brewers. So um, I told them, uh, uh, I would. I would do it if if they let me hit a home run and it happened to be a walk off. And I feel kind of bad for them for doing it. Yeah, I was. I, I was gonna say, man. I was gonna say I saw a video of you really get one out there, man. But it was a walk off, which is just a whole different feeling, right? That's gotta be something that just feels like on top of the world, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. But uh, those, those, all those dudes that, that, that uh, over on the Brewer side and that was in Biloxi and stuff like that, um, they, they know it's no disrespect at all in, in any type of way. Of uh, it's actually funny because the dude that I hit it off of, I'm actually really good friends with. And uh-huh. um, we, we've had conversations about it, and he actually came up to me and was just like, man, I hate the moment that you did it in, but I loved it. Like this, <laughs> he was like, "I was happy for you." I'm not happy for my ERA, but um, he said it, 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 if it was going to be anybody, he's not as happy it would be. And I think you hit it right on the money. I mean, there's a there's a fine line. Like from a fan's perspective, we do want entertainment, of course we do. And quite yeah. frankly, I'm sure as heck not going to even be able to hit a 70 mile per hour fastball. So if someone gets to it at 95, they deserve to be excited about what they just did. Um, and yeah. and and it's nice to hear that perspective from you as sure. well. Um, yeah. So we have we have about five seven more minutes with you, and I have one that I want to I want to get your perspective on. All right, yeah. you have accomplished a lot in your career, but some mm-hmm. might jokingly or seriously say that you're actually your best accomplishment is you took the Miami Inc. Madness Championship. I'm not sure if you even know what I'm referencing um, <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. off season. Absolutely, so much so that you even got like an exclusive buy. You didn't even have to, you know, go through the first round and second round. Like they just knew Monte was going to be there at the end. Uh, you obviously have really nice work done on you. I, I wonder if there's any particular piece that you really hold most dearly or that has the most significance for you that you're willing to share. Um, honestly, probably my chest. Um, I haven't, uh, they didn't really show that in the picture just cause I'm limited them on, on what, um, to show. Um, but yeah, definitely my it's it's right over my heart. I mean, my grandma. I mean, that's one of those things where I got it when I was fourteen, but then uh, she passed away in 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 fifteen in two thousand fifteen, um, in my first full season in May. So um, I got it touched up and and redone, added some stuff. So I think that's one of those things where um, that that's definitely one of the most memorable, just because she's gone and I can always. Um, 
I can always count on her personally and, and, and ink-wise to, to be on me. I know, guys, if you ever see me, uh, like, a national anthem or something like that, I'll, I'll hit my chest and just, just, just to think about her. But um, other than that, I mean, that's, that's the more, you know, somebody has that type of everybody, not everybody, but most people have that type of memory. But other than that, I think I, I would say that my back is probably one of my, uh, it's probably my favorite other than that one. Got you. Ah, thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah, yeah. You so you talked about how you you know you hit your chest during the anthem and everything, man. You got any other rituals that you go with? Like, what's on the pregame playlist? What are some other things that you do yourself ready to go uh, on a night to night basis? Um, honestly, like before the game, I mean, if we're in the clubhouse, I'll usually put stuff on the club in the clubhouse, um, mm. rap, whatever, you know, just mix it up. You the clubhouse DJ? Sometimes, I mean, uh, Dean and, and and Yachty like to take over sometimes just because they got seniority, you know. But um, uh-huh. other than that, they kind of let me do my thing. But once it hits within like an hour of the game, I, I personally I put those headphones on and try to lock in, and mm-hmm. and that's when I go to the the calm spirits and and try to find the the good the good music, the the good side of me, and I, and I listen to the gospel music. No pressure, but Will Stewart gave us a really good answer to this question last time when we asked him. We wrapped it up with this. I need a re- I need a really good minor league story about like the worst place you played in or just a bad minor league experience because I live for these type of stories, man, because okay. the minor league life is so interesting to me. So you got anything really good that – that uh, from any time playing either down here when you were in the Milwaukee system and any just like crappy places you played in or anything. Uh, yeah, Helena, Montana. That's that's that's. I mean, I I mean, I like doing stuff like I like going hunting, camping, you know, uh-huh. fishing, stuff like that. But Helena, Montana was a whole different world, man. I just <laughs> felt like I was. It was just not something I was very used to. I mean, a. a, a I wouldn't say a small town. Well, it is a small town, but like it just mm-hmm. wasn't used to what 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 I'm normal to, and it just mm-hmm. I would literally go to the field from like I would literally show up at the field like 11:30 every day, and I'd just be like, I'm gonna sit at the field because I got nothing else to do, <laughs> and then I wouldn't leave the field till 11:30 at night. So um, it was just one of those. I was just like, man, I I need to get out of this place. That's probably why I did so well. <laughs> Trying to get trying to get yourself up as quickly as possible, exactly. up and out of there. <laughs> yeah, really appreciate you, Monte. That was awesome, man. Yeah, man, no problem at all. This has been great, man. And appreciate good luck you. the rest of the way. Keep barreling the ball up, man. I'm really excited. I hope we see you up here soon, man. You're you're one of my favorite guys in the system, and I'd love to see you in Miami come September or something, man. Because the results you're putting together right now are awesome. They got us all really excited, man. All right, thank you, guys. I mean, I'm really excited. I mean, just to know that. Um, what Derek and those guys are doing, it, it, it's it's going to be something special. I know the, the it isn't really showing it right now, but I mean we're not the only team to go through something like like this over the past year. So, um, yeah, all the fans, I tell them just to stick with us. I know we got guys that's working hard, and uh, we got some stars coming up through the system. Even dudes that are in the big leagues that uh, we're going to put this together and we're going to win championships 100. percent with us. I couldn't have said it any better myself, man. We really appreciate you, brother. Yeah, man, no problem. Thank you for having me.
and we're back. Thank you again. Seriously, Monte, I'm ready to one through a wall. I know that Ethan is, Ian is. That was fantastic. The fact that, you know, it wasn't about baseball, and that's what we want here. We want to know a bit about the players. We want to share that love that y'all have for the game. And Monte, seriously, just hats off to you. Uh, we're going we're gonna to dive back into our portion of the recording for today. And we're going to start off with our little weekly update, looking and highlighting some players that had a solid week, some that maybe we saw some things that we hadn't seen before, and, and I'll let Ian uh, take us off. Well, yeah, man. It's been a, it was quite a uh, not not so much eventful week, but we had some good numbers across the system. I mean, Harold, Mary, Harold Ramirez is still looking great. Had a 478 week this week with six doubles. I mean, he's tearing the cover off the ball right now for New Orleans. Ellie Isaac Hernandez for New Orleans as well. Field another great game. He's lowered his ERA to .96 on the year. I mean, he's got great peripherals. He's got 24 Ks. He's got seven walks. He's, he's looked great. I mean, if we can continue to talk about Austin Dean, let's continue to talk about Austin Dean because he's destroying AAA pitching. Slash sign at 365, 429, and 635 so far to start the year. Only striking out 16% of the time. And, I mean, it just looks flat out great. It's been the same, same run across the rest of the system, but I'll let uh, Ethan take over and give me some of the guys he liked this week. Yeah, I love what we keep seeing from Magnor Sierra, man. I mean, he just can't stop walking. And yeah. uh, that was, you know, that was the one thing that we really hoped for um, with him was that he can start getting on base more and turn into, you know, an actual uh, table setter, which we didn't really see from him last year when he was up at the big league level because he just couldn't get on base a ton. Um, but I love to see him getting on base and using that speed, that elite speed. Uh, another thing that I want to talk about is uh, Yamamoto. Off to a bit of a weird start this year. Like we had some, he's had some really weird starts, but he's pitching right now for Jacksonville and he's through three innings. Uh, he's only allowed a hit and a walk and he's got two strikeouts. I'd like to see those strikeout numbers up from him, man. I mean, last year it was so exciting because those numbers were just jumping off the page with the strikeouts. So I'd like to see him get back on track a little. Uh, it was a really rough week for weekend specifically for Jupiter and the pitching in Jupiter. Uh, the, we were playing the Blue Jays uh, guys, and they just ripped us apart. I mean, I think it was what? Ian Rogers, Brax, and uh, Holloway, and Stewart, I think, too, and maybe. Stewart, yeah. Yeah, Stewart, they, Stewart and Holloway both didn't get out of the first. Yeah, just a couple, a few tough starts for those guys, which is, you know, it's going to happen throughout the year. And it seems like that Blue Jays lineup that they got in the high A is really dominant because they just torched our pitching. They, they were prepared, yeah. Uh, but one thing I want to talk about, I want to give you guys a little, little uh, stuff here is uh, – Ian's guy from last week, Bubba Hollins, took off and had a great week. Oh, he's no. Here we go. He's up to 338, 411, and 508. Danny, this is what you get for giving me so much crap about Rizzo last week. <laughs> he's hitting real well. He, he, he really had a nice week and looking like a potential call-up candidate. Uh, and then Demetrius Sims, you know, still his slash line is still pretty nice and his peripheries are pretty good. A little high on the K rate, but he's he's still having a nice year, but kind of had a rough week. So, yeah, it was it was a relatively quiet week. I don't know. There wasn't really too much that jumped off the page of me this week, but I'd really like to see that come in this week. I'd like to see the Jupiter pitching get back on track and uh, I'd like to see Yams finish off this start strong and maybe pick up rack up some more strikeouts here coming up because. I loved what I saw from him last year, and I'd love to see that continue. So so basically the recap of that, the takeaway is that Ian 
chooses an under the radar guy and he knows what he's talking about and i choose an under the radar guy and i jinxed him for the for the next week is that right ethan yeah, basically, but you didn't do it as hard as the Badowski. Team, <laughs> oh, true. I should true. just stop talking about prospects because, you know, if I do, all of a sudden they're all going to turn into a crapshoot. So. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Before we move on, I'll highlight just three guys. I'm going to re-highlight Hernandez, which was Ian's guy. Um, it's, it's important that a Rule 5 draft pick, which we were able to retain, shows value in that. He was Rule 5 from last year. We were able to bring him um, back because we kept him on the roster. And he's showing that if we need a call-up for five guy, he's someone who could come on up. Uh, Edward Cabrera also is starting to show all of the tools that we saw yes. with him. ERA is now at yep. 2.35, 18-6 uh, K per uh, K and walks. We're seeing the tools now start coming into play and showing it on the mound. So that's someone you want to keep an eye on as well. Yeah. And one Vic, quick thing on that, Danny. Ahead. Sorry, man. He was no, you're good. Uh, he was the shining light in uh, Jupiter this week. He was the right. saving grace. He came back off the DL right. and had a really nice start. I think he had, what, eight strikeouts in his start or something? Um, I might be wrong on that. But he had a really nice start and put it together after coming off the DL, which was really good to see because he really saved the week in Jupiter. Absolutely. I mean, a tad on one, one last thing on Jupiter, and that's Trevor Rogers. He's won now 14 straight endings without a walk, and that's literally the greatest thing I could want, I want for him to start the year this year. So. Seeing that so far on Jupiter from him is outstanding. I mean, he's current, currently got the lowest ERA on the roster, and he's he's throwing good balls right now. So Trevor Rogers is another one. I just had to highlight real quick. Yeah, and Ethan, you were right there. It was six strikeouts in his last outing to uh, zero walks. You know, And that's yeah. what we want to see from a guy with high velocity who might have question marks about the control. He's showing that it's there. Uh, the last guy I'll highlight, for better or for worse, is Victor Victor Mesa. You look at the slash, still not at all where we need to be, right? 225, 250, 238, still early, but I'll highlight this. He is making his contact. In a little bit over 80 at-bats, he only has 10 Ks. He's walked three times, stolen, so he's stolen five bases, still running the base as well. Someone to continue to keep an eye on. Um, The other guy I'll say is actually newsworthy is that Jose Devers came back, right? He's healthy again, and since his return... 385, 412, 375 with only three Ks and one walk. So we're starting to see these players that were performing well now start to carry it over where we're saying, all right, we have a little bit better of a sample size. This isn't just something that we're looking at for one week, which should give us some hope for promotions Mm -hmm. moving forward and for the system overall. Um, All right, so let's go on to Ian's segment. Ian, take it away. Okay, for this segment, uh, it was it was an easy, I mean, easy slash tough one this time. It was Jacksonville all the way. I mean, Robert Duggar had it for his first real good win of the year. I mean, first real good game of the year. He had a win. He threw a gem. It was seven endings, two hits, two walks, seven Ks. He's starting the year off this year with his highest K rate ever of his career. He had a couple of rough outings, walked a few guys that he didn't want to in the first couple of games, but it was a stellar outing last week, and or excuse me, Saturday night, and he looked great. I mean, let's expect more from him going forward. He's a talented guy with a filthy slider, and that's going to play up. I a lot from him this year, and that was exactly what I expected this week. And my hitter for the week is Joe Dunand, or Dunand. Six games, he's hitting 381, 385, and 571 with eight RBIs. He's only striking out 50. And he's really looking like he's getting comfortable in double A. He got an early call up last year and looked a little bit overwhelmed to start the year, but got hot to close the year out. And now to start 2019, he started 
little slow, but he's starting to figure it out. So that's a name I'm really excited to see doing things right now. And those are my guys who I think are my pitcher in here of the week. What do you guys feel about that? I've, I like that uh, Dunane pick because we really need something in Jacksonville right now. I mean, this lineup is really struggling, and there's not a lot of power sources uh, ever since uh, Isan and uh, Monte went up to New Orleans. So I would really like to see them get some power back in that lineup. I mean, Brigman, who was my pick for uh, uh, you know, uh, player of the year in the system is really struggling out of the gates and some of these other guys are not doing so hot Justin Twine's having a, a nice year but I really would love to see some of these guys in this Jacksonville lineup get going um, because they could be some you know important role players going forward um, and, and and yeah I think it's important that we get a guy like Dunan going Absolutely. I like the Dunan pick as well. I think that Ian and I spoke about it. It could have been Harold Ramirez as well. Um, over the last 10, he's at 400, 488, 657. He's a guy that if I believe he was on the 40 already, he would be up. Um, I can't wait to see him and see what happens. I mean, he was always a high contact player anyway. I think really the Blue Jays just made a mistake by letting him go. But I'm excited to see that uh, transpire here. And I'll say what I'll say something about Robert Duggar. That trade, man. That oh, trade just yeah. looks just great. Fantastic, you know, yeah. I mean, Niter's off to a tough start. We all understand that. But that he's part of that D. Gordon trade with Chris Torres coming over and Nick Niter. Um, just hats off. Hats off on that acquisition. And it's good yeah. to see him showing, again, what they targeted when they got him. Um, all right, Ethan, things we love to see. All right. Uh, the first thing I'm going to talk about is, uh, again, a Badowski jinx a little bit, is uh, Sean Reynolds and Lazaro Alonso. Right after we had that big discussion on the show last week uh, uh, about all the first basemen and the struggles that we've seen in the system, and after Sean Reynolds called me out by liking my tweet uh, where I called Jorge Guzman the best first base prospect <laughs> in, the, in the system, jokingly, uh, he went out and hit two home runs in consecutive days, I think. Uh, Lazaro Alonso went deep. So that was nice to see some power out of the first base spot a little bit, something that we haven't really seen this year. But, I mean, those guys still got to get going. I mean, uh, uh, Sean's still striking out a bunch, and Lazaro's uh, slash line is still not that great. So not great at all, really, but still taking a lot of walks. Um this, the second thing we love to see is Connor Scott getting on the board with a home run this year, uh, his first homer of the year. You know, we all know the potential with Scott, but it's kind of been rough out of the gate so far in Clinton. Um, but maybe some power will get him going, and it's nice to see that swing show some power because we've all been a little worried about it with the loopiness of that swing and how kind of long it's been at times. Uh, but I, I really like, you know, I would love to see him hit for more power, and I think that's a good thing to see. Uh and then the last thing that we love to see from this past week is is just Gallon. I mean, we talk about him every episode. It seems like we talk about him two or three times, and here we are again talking about this guy because he's just been tremendous. Uh, he went eight innings the other night. Was it was it last night? I don't know. He went eight innings in his last start. Uh, he only gave up two hits and two runs, both coming on solo shots. Um, and he get, only gave up one walk, and he struck out seven. It, it, <laughs> What you know? What else do, can we say about this guy? I mean, at this point, it's like, why is he not? I don't know if it's why is he not making a big league appearance, or if it's just when is he going to make a big league appearance? Um, because he's been absolutely tremendous in Jacksonville this year. I think he only gave up two hits and two runs, and his ERA went up to point eight seven or something right around yeah, that area. 0.81. So, yep. 
Yeah, 0.81. So, I mean, he he's just been tremendous. And, you know, you really can't say enough about him um, because he, he's just been on top of his game. And all those things that we saw towards the end of last year and in the spring are really coming to fruition this year. And he's been absolutely dominant. And I think along him and Eliezer, who is a little closer to the majors because he's made some starts there, um, are, are the next guys up. And I think they're two solid options if, you know, in an emergency start situation. And I think Gallon's a guy that I talked about this that could be like Pablo last year who made an emergency start and is still on the big league roster today, never went back down. So um, I, I love what I'm seeing from him. And in, in a quiet week, there were some good things. And, and Gallon was might have been the best one. Yeah, and I love the Pablo Lopez comparison, not of the player, but rather of how he's going to get called up, because that's what it looks like. I mean, the guy's dominating. If there was a hole in the rotation right now, he would be there. Or, and you know, you can't say this too loudly on Twitter, if the Marlins move Jose Urania to the bullpen or move him entirely, then Gallon would likely be the guy that would complete, you know, the hashtag baby-faced aces. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see him come up. I don't want it to be off of one of the injuries or of an emergency spot off of one of the baby-faced aces, but him... Him and like we've said, Hernandez is, are definitely the two pitchers that you'll likely see at Marlins Park sooner rather than later. And you know what you re- yeah. you know what you really can't say on Twitter. Sorry, Ian. Is now you're gonna if if the Marlins decide I'm gonna whisper this real tight closely because I, I don't want to get in trouble. But if the Marlins decide to make the value move at the deadline this year with Caleb Smith, like we didn't do with Adam Conley and Drew Steckenrider last year. And 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 he opens a hole in the rotation. If they decide to move on from him, um, Gallon's the guy that comes right in in July. And and you know I don't want to say that too loudly because I've gotten in trouble for it on Twitter recently. Because all of a sudden there are guys out there that think Caleb Smith is and he's been tremendous this year. Don't get me wrong, um, but he's a 28 year old starter, and this rebuild is still a long way away. And so I think people have to be a little realistic with this about the value we can get for him right now. And I think Gallon is a candidate if if it's not Urania who opens a start in the rotation and if it's Smith who opens the spot in the rotation, Gallon slots right into right there. You know what I mean? But say it real quietly so that nobody on Twitter that's obsessed with Caleb Smith hears me. Sorry. Yeah, we're going to have to lower the, the volume on the edit. Yeah, <laughs> just cut that whole part out. Sorry. Eli, do all the, just cut that all out so that nobody hears me because... Sorry, I, just, I got a little mad. I just wanted to add that both Hernandez and Gallon are still both 23 years old. So yeah, going forward, it's just looking great. I mean, they're dominating the AAA at 23, so that's exactly what you want to see. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's really all I wanted to add to that. I mean, it's been a great start for both of them. Some somewhat sub one ERAs over four starts is is what you want to see. Yeah, and again, it's five just... years on Caleb Smith. Five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, they could get a lot of value on that. I actually hit that on the other pod uh, just yesterday. I'll add one more thing. It is, again, a testament to the layers of talent and pitching depth that this organization has. And a lot of us were saying that an individuals would uh, not necessarily validate that. Well, Craig Miss just recently said that exact same thing, that this is probably one of the from top to bottom. So from major league level to low A, one of the best organizational pitching staff depth and talent that the Marlins have had in their entire history. Um, so it's, 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 we're seeing it now, even with a guy that was like a top 100 last year, Nidert struggling, it doesn't even make a dent into the talent of this organization, at least on the pitching side. So if you pick up that value and you trade a Caleb Smith, whether I'm with that or not, at least you know that there is more than enough 
talent coming up behind him. You're not yeah. necessarily yeah. creating a hole. I mean, that's, 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 that's the only reason. Last week. Yeah, go ahead. That's that's the only reason that you know I'm 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 even con- you know considering that trade because don't get me wrong he's been tremendous this year but the point is that he's 28 and and he you know this like I said this rebuild is a long way away and and you don't know what he's going to be like at 31 or 32 whether that velo- you know what's going to happen in those next few years so if you can get the value for him now we're in a position where we have enough guys in the system to replace him and and you know I'm not going to say not miss a beat right now but to the point where we we can do these type of things to load up on talent in the system especially at the position player spot because we need that right now yes absolutely eight guys last week in a tweet that was just solid numbers to start the year and that didn't include half the guys that are can dominate in the system like nider yamamoto six though even guzman i mean it, it's it's very exciting to see what we have going forward and on the pitching side. And I mean, that's the most thing you can be excited about if you're a Marlins fan. Is we've never had this. Like mm-hmm. it's never it's never been like this. I mean, you can say something different, but top to bottom, there's never been pitching like this in the system. Yep, yep. It, I mean, it's embarrassment of riches, and that's why I will always say that people need to take a breath when they're talking about the offense. First off, you're maybe looking at two or three major leaguers right now that'll still be here when we're ready to compete, but it's much easier to trade for hitting when you have all of this pitching than to try to acquire pitching and have a lot of hitting. So people need to take a breath. There's pitching all up and down the system. Some are going to be there when we're ready to compete. Some are going to be in another organization because we've traded them for pitching and are hitting. And some of them are going to be in the bullpen because they didn't make it in the in the starting staff. There's It's an embarrassment of riches. And one of those guys is actually going to be my under the radar for my portion. George like Soriano. This. Yeah, George Soriano is a 20-year-old right-hander. He's six feet two inches from the Dominican Republic. The Marlins signed him previous ownership when he was 16 years of age and they've taken it slowly with him in part because he actually missed 2017 it's it's this great mystery with an undisclosed injury there's no reports about it the marlins there's no clarification on it but he, he missed 2017 he came back in 2018 and performed well he got promoted this year he's with clinton at the moment when you look at his profile, number one, he's young and he is projectable because of his size. Now, he's not the tallest pitcher by any stretch of the imagination. But when you look at him, you could see a frame that can add a little bit of velocity. Currently, he's sitting around 91, 92. I would imagine by, by the time he's ready for us to speak about him at AA or AAA or even at the majors, you're looking at someone who's sitting comfortably around 93, 95. He has plus control, which is important for a 20-year-old. He's showing it already one walk, basically, or actually two walks per nine innings um, in, in 2018. He has a good breaking ball. The scouting reports aren't exactly of, uh, overly available for him. But when you talk to someone who's seen him, they say that's going to be the next guy who, who is under the radar now. But mm-hmm. by the time that it's 2020, 2021, you're going to be talking about him the same way that we're talking about individuals like Guzman, not with the same velocity, but Guzman, the, the, our, our people at Jupiter, whatever the case is, he's a guy that you want to keep an eye on. So far this year, three games started, 17.2 innings pitch, 1.52 ERA, a beautiful ERA. Now, our FIP shows us at 3.02, so he might be getting some help from the defense and putting balls in play. But still, a FIP of 3.02 is a beautiful thing to see from a 20-year-old. Not bad at all. 17 Ks, 8 walks, 8 hits. What do you guys think? Yeah, I like that 
pick, man. But I mean, this uh, Clinton staff is not getting enough reg- recognition as a whole. I mean, Chris Valamont's had a really nice year as well. And uh, I just think it's exciting because, you know, there are guys on that staff that you don't really think about, uh, but they're just, like you said, you know, just adding to those layers of talent and they just continue to improve. And those two guys have had really, really nice starts. Uh, Valamont, five games, 26.1 innings pitch, 2.73 RRA, 27 Ks and eight walks. So uh, just that Clinton staff, it's, you know, it's something that we'll be talking about a little more here because they continue to have a really nice year. And just a little bit more on Soriano. He can blame me for his uh, loss, no hitter this weekend. I was there talking to another guy, another fan who's a huge prospect nerd like me, Daniel Devino, and he's a huge fan of Soriano. He's saying he's touching ninety three now that he's seen, and he has a slider that's showing plus. But I was the one who informed him that he was perfect through six the other night, and then as soon as I say that, he gave up a single. So I'm gonna be <laughs> the jinx on that one. And I completely agree with your pick here, Danny. He's he's been a stud to start the year, and he's not getting the love. I mean, I for one don't know enough about him, and I'll be the first to admit that. But I want to know as much as I can. I mean, twenty years old with the numbers he can put up is exciting. And I mean, hearing about people talk about him is really good, and showing what he can do already in Clinton is is great. And just another testament to the talent that they have with pitching. I mean, yes. we're just we're gonna keep it's saying everyone. it. We're, gonna, we're just going to and people are going to get tired of hearing it, but we're just going to keep saying it because it really is phenomenal. It really is phenomenal. And the hope is that the bats start to develop. And if not, the caveat is that they will go acquire bats with all of the pitching that we will continue to speak about. All right, yep. fellas, any last words? Thank you. Monte. Sixto. Yeah. Thank you, Monte and Sixto on Thursday. Hopefully, Ian, you 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 had some news on that. Yeah, I believe they are not certain yet if he's going to start in Jacksonville or Jupiter. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure we'll know early in the week where, but uh, he's still playing for May 2nd, and it should be in one of those places. So we'll see. I mean, we're going forward as far as I know, but it's not certain that he will be in Jacksonville for his first start. Sounds good. And look for Gary Cooper as soon as his rehab assignment is up to start manning first base for the Marlins. I mean, Walker's hurt a little bit now, and we'll see if that continues. But Cooper and his rehab assignment is hitting 600, 667. An OPS that's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's impressive what he is, what he's doing at the moment, and it would lengthen that major league lineup for us. Mm-hmm. All right, fellas. We want to give one more last sincere, genuine thank you to Monte Harrison for joining us today. Seriously, you were fantastic. We thank you for sharing um, your stories, the the battles, for uh, making us laugh a little bit. And we thank you for taking time away from that little new puppy of yours to to give us a call. (laughs) If you've enjoyed our, our podcast, we thank you for listening. Please go ahead and make sure and like and subscribe at all places that podcasts are available. And we will definitely be back with you next week. Y'all have a good one.